It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My husband's missing, listening to it, saying they're crazy because she's such a little cute. She's I've gone through at the home of representative that I'm doing that to the arc. So yeah. they can't get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? They know who hard I work and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. We're not entirely sure the nature of the news yet, but we understand that some news is about to break in the next hour with regard to before five. We're told we'll hear more about half past nine. If we can bring in the details before ten, we certainly will. But uh, news of some sort, we hope good news. We have a sneaking suspicion it might be good news, but we hope good news to do with before five in the next hour. So uh, stick with us on that one. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six is the number. Good morning. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. It is all too often now, and it has been all too often this summer that we open with tragedy, a tragedy on the water. Only a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the drowning, the tragic drowning of Jack O'Sullivan, just 14 years of age, uh, in Passage West. And yesterday, uh, a little girl who hasn't yet been named drowned on a beautiful, beautiful late autumn day, late summer day, gorgeous, sunny, warm day when people flocked to the beaches. People who didn't get to the beach in August because the weather was rubbish. Now they're getting a little bit of summer weather in September and it's the most natural thing in the world for a family to flock to the beach. It's the most natural thing in the world for a little girl to run and play in the water with her friends. And then tragedy strikes at probably or almost certainly one of the most beloved of all of our beaches in Cork. I speak of Fountainstown, a beach with a great reputation for safety. And, and, and that's the thing. It's such a popular beach and such a relatively safe beach. Paul Byrne, a southern correspondent of Virgin Media News. Paul, you were down there yesterday evening as this tragedy unfolded. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, first of all, our deepest sympathies to the family of this little girl Indeed. who today are mourning the loss of their now little angel who's looking down on them. It's an extremely sad 
and distressing story. I arrived there last night. There was a fleet of emergency services on scene. Um, they were doing all they could to try and rescue but what became a recovery operation. You had uh, a multi-agency operation in place into place just after half past four you had uh, helicopters in the air you had a flotilla of boats you had uh, volunteers from across the region the RNLI, the Coast Guard uh, Malice Search and Rescue, a whole team of people scouring the search uh, the, the shoreline for this little girl you had divers or uh, fire crews and Coast Guard personnel wading through the water up to their neck in water just off the beach in Fountainstone and all of this happening while the little girl's father was standing there looking out into the sea and hoping that his little girl would be found alive. It was heartbreaking to watch this man as the search continued, PJ. You can just imagine, or well, try to imagine what was going through this man's mind as this search operation was underway. Was he thinking of the last time he hugged his little girl? Was he thinking of her last birthday? Was he thinking of the day she was born, the christening? You just try to imagine, or can't imagine, I suppose, what was going through his mind. His little girl out there at the mercy of the sea and these wonderful people doing all they could to bring her home. It was heartbreaking, honestly. It was heart-wrenching to watch what was unfolding there last evening. Mm. They did all they could, but unfortunately the outcome was a tragic one and they recovered the little girl's body uh, just after half past seven last evening. I believe, Paul, she was found only a few yards from the shore in the end. Yeah, um, that that's normally the situation. It, it was like a carbon copy of what happened in Passage West recently where poor old 14-year-old Jack O'Sullivan had been uh, swimming off the pontoon in Passage and he was found about 20 or 30 yards from where he uh, was last seen as well. That happens in these instances. Um, but as time goes on, if it was today or tomorrow, the body may have been swept out even further. Um I know it might sound strange, but look, thankfully, we're not back there today looking for the body. There was yeah. some form of closure last evening when the rescue, when the operation and uh, came to a conclusion with the recovery of the little girl's body, just eight years of age. Because I do believe, Paul, I was listening to some reports earlier this morning, and you'll have been down there so you can confirm, they were getting to a point in the evening where the light was going down and it goes down behind the hills at Fountainstown. It was getting rapidly dark and they would have to make a decision within minutes as to whether to stay there. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking last night, every evening, as the evenings go on in the, in, 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 you know, it gets darker every by the hour. So we're talking last night, I think it got dark around half eight, quarter to nine, and the body was located about half at seven last night. So they would have had to make a call to maybe call off the search, but Thankfully, um, the body was recovered and that we're not back there today searching. Mm. Um, that, that, that might sound, that's a small comfort to the family, I, I suppose, really. Yeah. Ooh, it, 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 it's just so awful. And like I said, a, a beach, Paul, with such a reputation for safety. You've brought your children there. I've brought my children there. I was brought there myself as a child. It's such a, yeah. such a, such a safe beach normally. 
Yeah, I mean, there's people swimming there 365 days a year. I lived in Fennels Bay, which is only a stone's throw from Fountainstone for many years, and we'd walk along the rocks and over to Fountainstone and go swimming there as well. Um, I cannot recall any incidents of uh, a drowning in Fountainstone. Maybe there have been, but nothing springs to mind over the years. I understand the conditions at the time were quite calm, but whatever happened, this little girl just got into trouble and was probably just too young and too weak to cope with whatever happened and she was swept out to sea. Um, the alarm was raised in a matter of moments but um, conditions last evening while the searching was going on, the water was beginning to, the tide was coming in, there were swells, there was waves and um, you know, as I said, it is a safe beach. You do um, people swim there all the time, and we haven't heard of any tragedies mm. there over the years. But unfortunately, we're now dealing with this tragedy. Indeed, indeed. She hasn't yet, I believe, been been named, Paul. No. No. Uh, my understanding is that she's a twin. She has a twin brother oh, and uh, an older sister, and um, she attends school in Crosshaven. The family have been living in the area for the past ten years. And uh, thankfully today, you know, the community is coming together to lend their support to the family at this very, very difficult time. It's an extremely sad occasion. And, you know, PJ, I suppose, again, thinking of the the family there last night, uh, looking at the man, looking out at the the, the emergency services, they did all they could last night. Thankfully, they recovered the body. They're worth every penny they're paid and 10 times more because they just did un- unbelievable work there last night. Absolutely. It was like as if one of their own was missing, PJ. That's what it looked like last night. And, you know, those who helped could, those who were able to help were helping. They were in the water. Those who wanted to help kept back. And, um, you know, uh, again, a tragic outcome. Mm. But, you know, for parents, I think today, PJ, and I leave you with this, I think, if, if you have a child at home today or a child in school and they're coming home, bring them close, give them a hug because you never know what's next. Paul, my friend, as always, your words are strong. Thank you. Paul Bourne, uh, Southern Correspondent for Virgin Media News and occasional presenter of this programme from time to time, was down at that beach yesterday watching it unfold at a place, as he said, he knows knows so well, as as we all do. Also on the beach was local councillor uh, Audrey Buckley. Audrey, devastating scenes yesterday. Morning to you. Morning. Um, yeah, yeah. No, look, uh, devastating. Um, heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, you know, uh, when the helicopter started circling, I live um, Church Bay, just around the corner from Fountainstown, and when you hear the helicopter... And it was there for, you know, over an hour. And then it started, uh, you know, the calls were fielding through to me that, look, it was a child. Um, you knew the search and rescue then was looking for kind of recovery. Um, so I, I went straight to to the fountain to see if there's anything I could assist with. Um, because you're you're just, you know, looking at this poor man and uh, what can you do, you know? Um, there was over 20 search and rescue in the water, walking each side, Ringabella, um, along the coast, um, looking for this little girl. And um, it was just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Mm. As you said previously, this beach is where we all learned to swim. It's a safe beach. Um, I never remember um, on the main beach. Um, I never remember um, a drowning before. Um, you know, the lifeguards were there all summer. Unfortunately, they're only there at weekends. Um, they're finishing up this weekend. Um, uh, it's just, just a tragedy, an awful tragedy. 
It is. It is. Do you know, without identifying, do you know the family? Um, I don't personally know them, but I do know of them. They're immersed in the community. Um, the, the you know they've been living here for over ten years. The, the the twins are you know eight. They've been you know preschool here, going to local school here, um, and um, you know they're part of the community. Um, uh, they're loved by the community. Um, people are reaching out to me asking, you know, should we hold a candle vigil? Um, I I don't know um, the answer because I'm just still can't get my head around after seeing the scene of this little girl coming out of the water um, last night it was just it's surreal it was like a movie you're a parent yourself Audrey yes uh, you, you, you feel and Paul is that I am you feel these things deep in your heart you do yes um, it's a uh, and especially when, you know, when that little boy, I have a 14 year old and when that little boy in Passage West um, drowned, I had just been given out to my own son about diving into the, the water here in Church Bay and not looking before he dives. Um, and, you know, because it's it's one of these things that can happen and, and it unfortunately is happening. Um uh, you know, the community here in Crosshaven, we're very fortunate. Um, you know, the Coast Guard, I mean, they're volunteers. They don't get paid at the RNLI. Um, uh, they're just uh, to, to be commended there. It's only when you see them on the ground and you think, wow, how fortunate are we to have them here at our doorstep? I mean, they were there straight away when the call went out. Um, and unfortunately, it just, just, just didn't happen. They just couldn't get her. I mean, the, the sea was quite black. I mean, they found her right in the middle of the area of the beach, um, you know, and they'd been looking on the left and right, but there was a lot of seaweed um, and it's just, just just, tragic. Yeah, Desperate, desperate. Audrey, thank you. Uh, local councillor Audrey Buckley um, from that area. Again, someone who knows the area very well. And as Paul said, uh, Audrey said that the RNLI people, they don't get paid. Most of the people, a huge number of the people who got into the water yesterday, to try to help don't get paid and as Paul said those who do get paid don't get paid enough many divers uh, turned up to help um, joined by Philip Johnson jo- Philip you were there yesterday with Mallow Search and Rescue a very very tough tough evening morning yeah. to you Hi PJ how are you doing I'm not so bad um, yeah we got the call about 10 to 5 um, that they needed divers. Mallow needed divers. You, you've probably spoken to John Wolf from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a boat on the river looking for a missing person at the moment, so we had a very good response. This was a case of getting from home with the equipment and getting into the Kennedy Key is where we we put our gear on and we drove them. We were there in 16 minutes. Oh. So um, three divers in the water, terrible conditions, PJ. Absolutely terrible. Oh, that previous. Talks per sorry the previous Audrey, yeah, yeah. Talk, Audrey yes very dark very, very very dark water the seaweed was it because the tide was turning or something the seaweed the tide, was, was thick? the tide was coming in it was a, a windyish kind of day yesterday I I'll tell you quite literally I couldn't see my hand that's underwater right I couldn't see my hand couldn't see my gauges we were getting thrown in against rocks we were getting thrown in against seaweed it's we spent an hour under the water mm. um, and. Just, just as the air kind of was running low, um, I came up to ask where they wanted to be next because I couldn't follow a compass because it was you couldn't see it, you know. Um, and I think by that stage I was about ten foot away from where she'd been. The girls had recovered. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand it was a man in a wetsuit on the sand. 
yeah, walking. saw something bobbing up and down and went straight in. Is that what yeah. happened? I, I was under the water at that stage, so I, I don't know. I know okay. that there were lots of people walking along, which would be a good thing to do, in the water, um, just hoping that you would come on something, you know. Um, but, I mean, you're hoping that, but in reality, you're hoping that you won't come on something. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was actually, I suppose I only wanted to let you know, like, we had a fast response with Malice Search and Rescue. We had our three divers there. Um, like John was trying to tell us to stay together. You couldn't possibly stay together. Couldn't possibly mm. with the rocks and the seaweed and everything, you know. So, mm. and you're all highly trained and highly experienced, John Philip. T- thank you, yeah. thank you to everyone yeah. who was down there for what they tried to do. Huge um, response, yeah, there was. You know? Huge response. All right, yeah. listen, thank you for, for what you did, and thanks to Mallow Search and Rescue and the team that turned up, and to the incredible emergency services. And this ended in a tragic way, but but they just pile in. They come from all sides. When when something like this happens, they come from all sides. People drop what they're doing, whatever they're doing, wherever they're doing it, and they just go. It's amazing to watch. And you're almost as heartbroken for them as you are for the family and friends of the little girl because they go and they try their best with their many years of experience and understanding of the water and conditions and the sea, they do their best and they have to go home afterwards thinking, we didn't get her. You know? Thank you, Philip, and thanks to everybody who turned up yesterday evening. Every single one of you. 0818969696. And as Paul said... If you have kids who are in school at the moment, uh, when they come home today, just squeeze them that little bit tighter. Whew. And may she rest in peace. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Question 10. What county is the smallest in Ireland? Loud. As my hands are shaking, Sarah, I don't know about you, my hands are rattling here. You're killing me here, lads. Please be loud. You said loud. <laughs> now I feel really bad oh, for no. making you wait to tell you you've just won 2,000 euros! Two grand minutes. I'm getting money. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96FM. I want to talk about road safety for a while. Uh, the numbers this morning. Got them in the morning news. They're all over the newspapers. 127 people have already died on the roads of Ireland this year, which is 23 more than by the same date the September, what are we today? 5th or 6th last year. Um, we had a series of very high-profile tragedies in the last couple of weeks. The minister responsible for transport, he's a junior minister, Jack Chambers, he is bringing plans to Cabinet, I think today, 
for an overhaul of speed limits. And this is something they're hoping to do quite quickly. Uh, the examiner is reporting the top speed on secondary roads will be dropped to 80 kilometres, which is about 50 miles an hour. Local roads will go from down to 60, which is about 35 miles an hour, just under 40 miles an hour. In urban areas, 50, which is 30. And then in housing estates and built-up areas, you're looking at a speed limit of 30 kilometres an hour, which is very slow, but deemed at this point in time to be necessary, particularly on those country roads where so many accidents happen. There's also talk of penalty points uh, being changed, and we were saying that earlier in the week, that if you pick up two penalty points offences at one go, you get both sets of points, not just the higher one. That hasn't been discussed formally yet, but the speed limits are going to change. I want to talk to a member of the Cork Road Safety Working Together group. Um, You might not know it exists, but it's working there in the background all the time. It involves members of the City and County Council, the Guards, the Road Safety Authority, Transport Infrastructure Ireland and the Emergency Services. One member of that group is Dr. Jason van de Velde. He's an emergency and trauma specialist at CUH Emergency Department volunteers as a lead medic for West Cork Rapid Response. Jason, you see what happens in car crashes every day of the week and we want to talk about that because we're a spate of it at the moment. And and it's a difficult conversation. Yes, and thank you for being here to have it. Yeah, I suppose we're getting statistics thrown at us at the moment and I really wanted to put faces, names, feelings and you know, the human touch to those statistics. Because every statistic we hear or read about represents a person, BJ, a family, a community. And while the number of fatalities continues to rise, you know, it's essential that we recognize at the most conservative estimates, there are 10 times as many individuals enduring severe, life-changing injuries. And to put that into perspective, the 2019-2020 figures showed that there was about 1,411 major trauma patients nationwide from road traffic collisions alone. That's 1,411 families whose lives have been torn apart. And we as emergency responders, as it, you know, we are there from the onset for that traumatic uh, journey. You get the call. Yeah. You have the rapid response vehicle. You get the call. There's been a car crash. You go... What kind of things do you find, Jason? Well, look, um, we obviously experience the screams of agony that can never be resolved quick enough. We, we experience the person bleeding to death, the limbs ripped off, the brain matter splattered everywhere. Um, these are experiences of unimaginable horror, and I won't subject anyone the distressing details of, 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 of these moments, of the norm, of my Monday hmm. or my Tuesday. You know, um, human nature is inherently inquisitive and, and in the emergency services we've, we often get faced with questions like what's the worst thing you've ever experienced and it's a question that I never answer um, and I urge people not to ask it of, 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 uh, uh, of emergency personnel because But it's you, enough to say I you've know, seen you, it you yeah, name yeah, it, yeah. you've seen you're exi- it yeah. I mean, you're, ex- you, you're essentially asking us to relive the worst days of our lives as well okay. and that is what I want to get across these incidents carry a profound toll on people's mental health 
They shatter dreams. They shatter aspirations. I've personally witnessed then the remarkable support, for example, that, you know, in the aftermath of, of, an, of an incident, um, you know, the sports star player, you know, you know, all the friends and the team rally around him and is in the immediate. And then as time passes, as that individual finds themselves in a wheelchair, reliant on their, their parents caring for them again. And you, you asked me to bear witness to the immediate. Hmm. But that immediate is just a snapshot in time. It's nothing compared to the years that follow. And that's something that isn't borne out by those statistics. That's something that isn't borne out by the horror that we witness when we go to a road traffic collision. Mm. It's the start of a really, really long, painful journey for the rest of a person's life. And I think so much of it is avoidable, and I'll come back to that. We, we don't really have that accurate information, do we? We hear about the road deaths going up, but in the last week it's very much in the news. But generally the data we have is quite old. Why is that? Yeah, so the problem lies in how we collect and define statistics. You know, road traffic statistics are fundamentally flawed because... You know, with the advancements and these are good things in emergency response and medical care, more people involved in these accidents are surviving and they go on to rehab. But sometimes, somewhere down the line, they then succumb to these injuries. And that's why whenever you look at data, it's always provisional. You know, it's because people die because of the accident, but they might not die at the time of the accident. Ah. And that's quite important to understand. And, you know, our data comes from, this will shock you, Reviewing handwritten notes. Hmm? Yeah, exactly. Um, Why? Well, that, that's because hospitals old, across that's old Ireland, school, like, yeah, that's we a- don't have a computer system, the national computer databases. Right? We just don't have them. We're still reliant on handwritten notes. And it doesn't mean we're not working on it. You know, there are dedicated teams around the country, professionals who are actively reviewing this data. We have full-time staff in the emergency department, CUHU, are employed to collate and review data and provide accurate statistics. But you're not going to get the here now. Mm. What I'm taking from this last couple of minutes is when we hear the report of a, a fatal accident or an accident where someone is seriously injured, that's a moment in time. It's a snapshot. We're not hearing, because we don't hear the story of the broken life, that a person may be seriously injured at the age of 21 or 22. Their entire life is shaped from that moment on. Also, somebody else who was seriously injured, and we hear no more about them, they may die a month later, three months later, six months later, because of their injuries. The real figures are actually far worse oh, than look, we read in the papers, Jason, is what I'm, what I'm hearing from you. Trauma accounts for more disability-adjusted life years lost than stroke, cancer, and heart disease combined. Wow. Okay, because it's a young person's disease. I'll pause you there for a second, because we hear, and I do all the surveys and read all the headlines, cancer, heart disease causes death, diabetes disables people, Trauma does more harm than all these combined. All of those combined. Wow. All right. And so that's why it's fundamental. That's why in Cork we are investing in, in the major trauma system. We have a major trauma program for Ireland. There's a lot coming that is good. And that's why people like myself are involved in this, why we're passionate about it. I mean, my life's purpose is responding to these tragedies in Cork's roads. And I'm fueled really just by a commitment to science, to enhancing this emergency response thereby mitigating against 
the long-term impacts of trauma, both the physical, the emotional, the financial, rather than fixating on the worst. I never fixate on the worst. That's why I can get out and do this job every day. Yeah. I look at our processes. I look at how, you know, I look at how we, we approach that, that injury scene. I look at how the team works together. I look at the care that we can bring, the technology that we can bring. It's all about making meaningful differences, and we are making meaningful differences. Mm-hmm. Because I'll give you another stat here, all right? People, people bash our health system day in, day out. Mm-hmm. We subject our trauma data to the TAR network, which is the Trauma Audit and Research Network, which is a UK and Ireland-based network. Hundreds upon thousands of cases every year into this network. And you know where Cork performs? Mm-hmm. You tell me. We consistently perform well above average. Oh. It's funny that you should bring that point up because, you know, you and I have a a mutual friend in Chris Luke and and Chris has done this for 40 years and, and he always says he said here in Cork and here in Ireland we're an awful lot better than we get credit for absolutely we have got some of the best people in the world in this region we have yeah we'll get back to the roads and the Taoiseach has said in the last week we need to improve road safety it, it, it it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. They're looking at changing penalty point regimes. They're looking at more of these so-called flash-for-cash vans, speed vans, changing speed limits. All the politicians are looking for ways to fix this. And rightly so. Can it be done? Absolutely. I have the privilege of working closely with our dedicated guardie every day, and, and they are true investigators. They're deeply committed um, to understanding the root cause of these tragic accidents. And it's crucial for society to realise that there is no hidden conspiracy, you know? There is a genuine effort by our police force to reduce deaths and injuries in our roads. And it's worth remembering that the guardie are often bearing that heartache of delivering that mm. devastating news to families affected by these accidents. They're the ones knocking at that door mm. at 2, 3 in the morning. You know, and from a medical standpoint, I wholeheartedly support the road policing unit's evidence-based approach to law enforcement, tackling offences and behaviours that directly contribute to fatalities and injuries. And that might not always align with public sentiment. Mm. And it's unquestionable what saves lives. Targeting, driving, distractions. It's mobile phone use, Mm. right? Cracking down on drink and drug driving. That saves lives. Ensuring roadworthiness of vehicles. Managing speed. Mm. Now, we can debate the speed till the cows come home. But those are the fundamental things that will save lives. So I wholeheartedly support the road policing Mm. unit and what they're doing and we need to have these strategies. Look at speed for a second. There's talk about changing the speed limits, reducing them. Would you be in favour of that? Well, it's everything when it comes to an impact. Mm. All right? And I'm talking about vulnerable road users here. We Mm. need to slow things down in some places, but equally there's there's good arguments for speeding things up in other places. Mm. You know, to enable traffic to move more freely. Because you know yourself, frustration kills. Mm-hmm. And frustration is a big one of the biggest distractors on our roads. So anything that reduces distraction, anything that speeds up traffic flow, that's worthwhile. Mm. But we have to learn to slow down where pedestrians and vulnerable road users use the road side by side. If you ram into somebody at 30 kilometers an hour, they might not have the same chance. If you ram into somebody at 40 or 50 or 60, that's game over. Yeah. 
How do we get it into people's heads to slow down? Do we have to enforce it? Because people call up me, me, me up here and they say, ah, sure, all these rules and penalty points, it's, it's all to gather revenue. But it's not, is it? It's to make the roads a safer place. We need to look, particularly when it comes to those young drivers, 16 to 25, who, who take disproportional risks. That, I mean, obviously, that's part of growing up. Yeah. But when you add peer pressure into the mix, that's fatal. You know? So how do we empower our young people to make the right choices, even when they're in a car with someone they admire, look up to, perhaps fancy? How do we ensure they have those life skills um, to make the safe alternatives? Hmm. We need to be innovative. We need to find innovative ways to address challenges, providing young people with the knowledge, the tools, the options they need to stay safe on the road. And it's complex, you know. But, but, but tackling it from an empowerment perspective, we can make significant strides in road safety. I mean, look at the issue of mobile phones. Mm. You asked me to describe my, my, my true fear at the start of this. Some of my worst memories, and it's, it's truly distressing to arrive at a mangled car with a young person who has been seriously injured or worse, still holding onto their mobile phone with that frantic friend still on the video call. That, PJ, is what haunts me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Still on the call. Why though? You, 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 and it's the psychology thing. There's no my 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 wife and I were talking about this over the weekend. I told her you were coming in to chat with me. There's no need for anybody to be holding a mobile phone while they're driving in 2023. Absolutely not. None. I mean, there's engineering solutions to all of yeah. this. There is safe systems like CarPlay or or the Android version of 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 of, of that. Mm which work, which reduce the distractions. Distractions are everything. Yeah. But we live in a society where we, where we have to be distracted all the time, don't we, PJ? Mm. And, I mean, look, look, look at the pub. We're not having a good chat over, over the table all without our mobile phone in our hand. Mm. Society has changed, and we need engineering solutions to get away from that, to reduce those distractions whilst we're doing something in a car. And I actually, <laughs> I think that we won't get there. I think human nature is so... The need for constant connectivity is so distracting that until we engineer driverless cars and take the human out of the equation, I don't think we're going to tackle these these mm. statistics. What I'm hearing from you, uh, if I'm interpreting you correctly, is that the mobile phone is one of the most dangerous things ever to happen to driving. There's no question about it. 20 to 30% of all collisions in our country are attributed to distractions. You know, the use of mobile phone while you're driving, it, it's, you're four times more likely to be involved in the collision. Even if it is on CarPlay, it's just the fact that you're having a conversation, you are concentrating on having the conversation, you are not diverting all your attention to the road. We have become very used to the whole hands-free thing. Are you suggesting that even that is too much? Even having a call on the speakers while I'm driving. I'm not suggesting it. The statistics are suggesting it. Yeah. This is what we're getting from these fatal or serious road traffic collisions. Distractions. And we've well, got to work on a way to, to resolve these distractions. Yeah. It's milliseconds. Absolutely. 
Yeah, there's an ad. There are some very powerful ads on television over the last number of years. There was one involving a, a mobile phone where a guy's completing a text and then there's a bang. That's it. It's, that, it's a look down once. You know, and Ireland is leading the way in, in road safe, safety campaigns. There's mm. no question about it. I mean, some of the advertising campaigns that are out there are phenomenal. They're, they're used worldwide. Mm. So we, we're producing all the good literature. We're producing all the stats. We are producing all the good advertisements, but ourselves as a population are still not listening to it. So that's when I say education is not everything. It's empowerment. And I don't have all the solutions to empowerment, but I think we need to start shifting that and empower people. Mm. If you make someone's life easier, if you target law enforcement appropriately, if you ensure that it is evidence-based approaches to road safety, I think that's the way forward. Stay with me on the mobile phone for a second. I'm, I'm old enough to remember a time when you didn't have to wear a seatbelt. Now, if you say that to someone of 20 years of age now, they look at you as if you'd walked in off a, off a different planet. We learnt you have to wear a seatbelt. Can we teach people, Jason not to use the mobile phone in the car the same way as we taught people you have to use a seatbelt. Well, that was a mix. That was a mix of enforcement, education mm. and empowerment. So, seatbelt use, I hate to say this to you, Go on. but seatbelt use is going down. Get away from yeah. it. And this, you know, now this, I'm now, watching people getting pa ejected. Pause a second here now, Doctor. I would have thought... That seatbelt use was almost across the board. Everybody did it. Because as I say, I remember learning that you had to. So it's now second nature, I would have thought. If anyone, you're telling me seatbelt use is declining. Seatbelt use is declining. We're going to accidents now where people are being ejected because they've not been wearing the seatbelt. That's mad. That same message of drink driving, when it was acceptable to go out to a rural establishment, have a few pints, and just, sure, it'll be grand. The house is only up the road, all right? Mm. And you remember how that declined with time. It did. Well, what's that replaced with now? Drug driving. Oh, right. Okay. And so now, cocaine use is ubiquitous. Look, Chris has spoken to you at, that, uh, at length. Yeah. And people still think it's acceptable. Prescription drug use, mm -hmm. the thing the doctor prescribes for your anxiety and your nerves, well, that impairs your driving. And people still think it's absolutely fine because the doctor prescribed it that we can go and drive after taking Valium, Diazepam, mm -hmm. taking strong opioids for pain, for chronic pain. Mm -hmm. right? Those impair you. So drink and drug driving are a major major stumbling block and of course thankfully now it's only recent we've, we've got the um, you know those swab tests the Guardian are now able mm -hmm. to do for drug driving and so that will undoubtedly save lives but there is that you know you have to have the stick you have to have the enforcement but we have to have empowerment and I don't have all the solutions with empowerment I can only bear witness to the horrors but there's a lot of clever people out there that can work out what would motivate you. So I say this to you, what would motivate you to not drink and drive? What would motivate you to wear a seatbelt? What would motivate you to put your mobile phone, not on silent, not on speaker, Away. but switch it off? Hmm. Yeah, what would, do you think? I don't have these answers. Hmm. But you see the mess. I can only bear witness to the horror. Yeah. 
No, it's a very sobering conversation, Jason. The, like, the numbers were going down. We were doing well. The numbers were going down. Now they're going up again. I'm which, hoping it's just a blip. You're hoping it's a blip, but I, I, I sense, and I'm glad we're doing this face-to-face. I'm looking in your face, I'm thinking, you don't think, you hope. You don't think it's a blip. You're seeing evidence of behaviours that are causing this. Look, behaviours are, 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 are declining, particularly with, with drug use and, mm. and, and drug use being seen as acceptable nowadays. It's just deemed acceptable to go and have a few yolks or to take some cocaine. It's seen as acceptable behaviour. What our kids are being presented with on social media changes the norms. Mm. And I don't have the answers. I don't know why. Mm. Why is it so addictive? Why, why have this phone in front of you? you know, why is it okay to snort cocaine and think that you can drive? Yeah, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't go in and drink four or five pints and get into your car. You just wouldn't. No. But you'd start a line of coke off a tabletop and drive. And that's deemed to be acceptable by some people. Very stark. Can I just lighten it slightly before we finish? How does a guy from Cape Town, South Africa, end up minding us on the roads of Cork? How did that happen, Jason? I've never had the chance to ask you before. Ah, uh, look, it's Mel, isn't it? You know, it's it's the Irish society being so open and welcoming. You know, I've got uh, five children. Mm. Really accepted into this community. How long have you been here? 16 years now. Right. You know. And did you come on spec? Come on a holiday? Come and meet someone? What happened? Uh, look, I, I came and did my trauma fellowship in anesthesia originally here in Cork. Right. Through Prof Shorten and at CUH and... I just stayed. The welcome, the ability to bring up a child in a safe and caring environment. And that is what Ireland is. We have wonderful community. We have mail. We look after each other. And so I only just bring these trauma skills, you know, but it's far more than that. The community around me in West Cork Rapid Response, uh, you know, the charity that I respond for, you know, there's such caring. Mm. We're never wanting for anything. You know, the community is there, and it, that is what it's all about. It's about, about Mahal, it's about community. Ireland is a wonderful place to bring up a child. Mm-hmm. And I'm absolutely privileged to be allowed to practice here. And we're privileged that you've made it the place that you want to practice. Jason, thank you for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jason Vandevel, we'll see you, mate. See you. See you get back to the busy, the busy front that you work in every single day. 0818 96 96 96. We mentioned, mate. Stuff and Jason, they're talking about ads that used to be fairly stark and fairly frightening. We make good ads in this country. We have traditionally made very good ads about road safety. Two spring to mind here. Uh, now, these were visual for television, but because there's a, a voiceover to them, they work well for radio. This is another doctor like uh, Jason Van de Velde. This is Dr. Jerry Lane speaking on a road safety authority ad. If you don't wear a seatbelt, you're eight times more likely to be ejected from your vehicle. And that's very bad news. Most ejections don't get to me at all because I've hit the road at 100 kilometres an hour. And they don't have a graze, they don't have a face. They're made out of a head or limbs. They're just spinning down the road dead. 
And what happens if you wear your seatbelt the wrong way is equally mind-bending. If you're crazy enough to wear your seatbelt under your arm, and if you reach me after a crash, it will have sliced into you like cheese wire, lacerating your vital organs. And with children not properly restrained, it's even worse. Smashing forward through the windshield, brain damage, spinal injury. And believe me, spinal injury is not just for the weekend, it's for life. And that's a Road Safety Authority ad featuring Dr. Jerry Lane. Here's another one, again uh, voiced by Dr. Lane. When the ambulance rushes somebody in from a car crash, the family come into the emergency department expecting what they see on TV. But this isn't TV, this is real life. And when the team and I have finished the fight to save someone's life, it's the cleaning ladies who scrub the blood off the floor and pick up the pieces. When I declare someone dead, I phone the coroner, I gather myself for a few moments, and then I go to see the family, usually the parents. This is the worst possible news for you. We've done the best for your son, but sadly now he's dead. And you see those people dissolving, their lives dissolving, just falling apart. If you're a young road user, in love with life and fun, you don't ever want your mum to meet me doing my job, do you? And again, voiced by Dr. Jerry Lane. Very stark ads, and I think we should have more of them. And you know what happens with social media now, where before you watch a video or on YouTube, you watch a video on YouTube, they should be the ads you see on YouTube, not ads for, for silly stuff. Ads for that, like that, should be on YouTube, where young people get most of their content. TikTok carries ads. Stick them on TikTok. Frighten the living out of people. It's about time we started doing that again. Right, we promised you news on Before Five. Um, uh, Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould joins me briefly uh, before the news. There is good news, Tom. Morning. Good morning, PJ. There is great news this morning, PJ. I just got confirmation, dear, that uh, a new company, the NCE North East Community Enterprises, based in Farm Service, who have an existing preschool and childcare facility down there, are going to take over have agreed to take over the before five building and to provide the services there. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of work to do for them to just go through the, the rules and regulations mm. that they need to do. But this is a confirmation that the before five will be reopened. Uh, there's an announcement out today for parents uh, so they can apply to get their kids in. And I specifically just want to thank yourself, PJ, and the local media, but especially the workers, the families and the children and the north side who came out and who were very vocal on social media, media and on the ground. And that forced the hands okay. to get this reopened. And it's been a brilliant campaign. Great news, Tom. The immediate question will be, and I know it before I even ask you, the kids who already had secured a place, the kids who already had a place, will they have their what, place? What they're saying, though, Peach, is that they're reopening the facility uh, the childcare the way it was. So, like, from what I can gather now, there'll be spaces there for everyone because the spaces were there to begin with at the start. Okay, so, so it's, a, it's a takeover. It's effectively it, a takeover. Well, they can't say that because of redundancy, but that's what it is. Okay, all you right. Know, it's, that, it's that by a different word, but PJ, I, understand. I want to thank you and everyone. It's been a great campaign, and it's really, it really shows what the North is and what happens when people power comes out together. All right. Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin TD, briefly uh, bringing us the good news, and we were getting this in the last few minutes, and I just wanted to wait until it was confirmed. The good news, uh, break it down into one quick 
sentence before five has been saved and will reopen. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Punch 96FM. People messaging to know, will we be podcasting the interview with Dr. Jason Vandeveld? My response to that question is, does it rain in Ireland? Of course we will. Of course we will. It'll be up very shortly after midday. It'll also be part of the full show podcast, which you'll get mid-afternoon. Huge response to, to Dr. Jason. He specifically requested to come in and sit opposite me for that conversation. He felt it was important enough. We thank him for taking time out of an extraordinarily busy day uh, to do that. Right, we had some wonderful, wonderful entries yesterday for our, our daycation competition. We got together with Falcher Ireland a few to experience the best daycation ever. I did a couple of them uh, last week, just for myself, to see the great things that are to do on our doorstep. And I went out exploring Blarney Castle and Gardens. And there'll be a video of that up shortly on our social media, actually. Uh, the Blarney Castle, the Blarney Stone, the Poisons Garden, all the different pathways that lead to you around the castle and gardens. It's a wonderful way to spend a couple of hours. And... This fabulous coffee at the end of it too, but it was marvellous. Went there last week. That video is up shortly. Now, we want you to tell us your best idea for a daycation. Your best daycation ever. What would you like to do? And on Friday, in association with our friends at Falcher Ireland, I will draw out two entries, two ideas, and give you a €200 Euro one for all voucher to help you along the way with the cost of it. So get in my draw and text your favourite Daycation idea, your favourite location for a daycation, your favourite daycation. Some of them are like small novels. That's great. I'll get to as many of them as I can. And we'll put you into the draw for Friday. And I'll read some of yesterday's ones. Between now and 11 for sure, because there were some beauties in there. And all the best ideas you need for a daycation, as if you were short of them yourself. But if you are short of ideas, discoverireland.ie and look for the hashtag best daycation ever. Okay. Now, to the good news of the morning. To the good news of the morning, and that is that Before 5 has been saved. A new a new operator, a new provider uh, will move in to the existing service and, and can't use the word takeover because of the way things happen. But it is, effectively, it's been taken over and will operate with a new operator. Christine Mullins has been a staff member there for years. Uh, Christine, what what's the immediate reaction? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, well, the immediate reaction was, you know, delight. We're thrilled, um, especially for the children and their families, you know, the hopefully they get back into routine soon. But on reading the actual full statement, there isn't a mention of staff, not one mention of staff. Oh. Um, there's not a mention, you know, like if, if there's a due process to come out that way to reapply or if there was anything like that. Um, so, like, it's a, it's a very bittersweet day. We are so, so happy for the children and for the families and for the wider community. And we are so grateful, like, you know, that everybody was behind us and we, we've getting, we were getting the place back open, which was our goal. But, like, we as staff, like, we love it up there, as you said, 
there were work. There's people up there from three years to nearly 30 years. And what's going to happen to us now? Like, who's going to stand with us now and help us to get back in there? Like, you know? Probably a bit simplistic to say this, Christine, but somebody has to run the place. So presumably there will be jobs there. There will, but like, you know, we thought like, well, we didn't think now, Peter, that's being presumptuous. Like what we were thinking was that maybe we might get, you know, they might get get first refusal, maybe do, you know, something like that, an interview or whatever. Mm. But the way it's looking like, it's like the 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 um that, uh, the jobs will be advertised probably and we'll have to apply like everybody else. Mm. You know, that's the way it's looking, uh, looking at now, like, you know. Right. Right, so there's no guarantee that the place will no. reopen with the original staff. No, no, no. And that's because it's not in the statement. And also, like, I don't mean to be a, such a negative person on such good news, but, like, there's no mention of the after-school club. There's no mention of the play therapy. Okay. The only thing that's mentioned is the crash and um, the to, the preschool classes, classes. Again, as I said, that is fantastic. And I understand that they're probably, you know, they can only do things maybe in different areas to get it open as soon as possible. They need to start with one thing, then another, and then maybe bring the other services back. But like for the people who, for the children who attend the after school, for the staff of the after school, for the staff, the, uh, for the uh, Mary Barry that runs the play therapy, for the children that facilitate that, there's nothing there for them to tell them know what's going to happen. Okay. Okay, so what you have effectively this morning, I haven't seen it, but it seems to be a short one-page statement simply saying that the service will be taken over by a new provider. Yeah. So there's nothing yeah, for there's nothing in there with regards to the staff and there's nothing in no. there with regards to some of the additional services that were previously no. offered. Exactly. And also it has on it the numbers on it for all the parents to apply to Cork City Childcare. So which means they all have to reply again for their children, because that's what it looks oh. like on the statement, that they need oh. to contact oh. Cockney Childcare. Because when Tom Gould broke the news to me before 10, he, he seemed to be of the impression that anyone who already had a place would now have a place. That's not your understanding, having read what's in front of you. No, and I could be wrong, uh, okay. PJ, but I think I don't have the statement in front of me now. Unfortunately, it's on my phone. But it did say that um, for all uh, parents and guardians to contact uh, Cork City Childcare mm. uh, with the details and that, you know, it will take several weeks um, and for, you know, for things to get going and stuff. So, like, there was nothing, there was no way it mentioned that, you know, that the children, you know, are getting, in, you know, Obviously, I can understand where Tom, uh, Thomas Gould is coming from. You know, everybody is in that got their places there was in, that were in there, then they should be able to come back in uh, because there's enough room there for them. But mm. that's not stated on the statement. I'm looking at, there's a statement that's landed on my phone now. Grant, uh, as right. we're speaking, Christine, okay. and it's from, yeah. it says, Northside Community Enterprises is nice to announce we'll provide a childcare services uh, we've been providing high-quality services for nearly 28 years. We're taking all necessary steps to be compliant with Tusla regulations and be in a position to welcome children and families. This will take several weeks, but we have support from all key stakeholders. We would encourage all parents and guardians to register their interest with Cork City Childcare and give the required information. The service will provide the ECCE scheme available to all children who've turned two years and eight months, etc., etc. We'll also provide a, a, a sessional crash service for children aged two years. Plus, again, please contact 
Cork City Childcare if you wish to attend. Parents and guardians who've expressed interest will receive updates when available and when the service will open and our times of operation. We extend our sincere thanks, etc. So that's what's in the statement handed out this morning or sent out this morning. So the service, yeah. a, a service will resume at before five. Uh, yeah. but, but there are questions to be to be answered yet. Yes, 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 right. there is. Yeah, right. There's a lot of questions to be answered. So we're back up today there, PJ, at half past two today. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can get our voices heard again today and get the more questions answered. And again, we are happy that someone has taken over and we would like to thank everybody for their support, as on with all the media as well, who've been very good in keeping it out there. Um, but we just still need some answers finally, you know, clarified once and for all. And hopefully we can put all this behind her and open up our centre again and get back to what we do and lo- what we love doing most. All right, Christine, and I wish you luck with that. And the, uh, the demonstration again is this afternoon. More details. I'll give out the details again before we finish. Now, one of the first voices we heard on this story when it broke was that of Donna Cambridge. Donna, if, if I remember correctly, it's Jackson is your little lad's name. You, you had a place organised for him, all sorted, and then the news broke. Do, do, do you reckon he'll be okay now? Good morning. Good morning. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of in the same boat as Christine is. Um, I did ring Cork City Childcare just before we got on the phone here, and I did reapply for Jackson to be um, allowed to attend the crash over there. Um, now, they said the exact same thing that's in the statement. They said there's no dates, there's no updates. They only got the text message themselves this morning to say that there'd be a lot of interest in before five um, and just to take contact details and details and somebody from the new company will contact us back in, re- in relation to places. Okay, okay. So, so you still it's, don't it's know for kind sure. Of You'd be yeah, hopeful. To, you'd be hopeful. Yeah. When when you made that call, did the person you spoke to seem to understand your situation? Were were they giving you hope, like that? Look, it's just a matter of getting Jackson's name down, and all and all will be well. To be fair, they were they were lovely. You know, my issue has never been the people I've been dealing with. My not. issue was. Is, is unfortunately the amount of secrecy and the amount of times that we have to find out from the media what is going on for our kids' education. In the likes of Christine, we have to wait for the media to break it to find out if Christine will have a job. Mm. You know, and I heard Christine saying earlier that she's not sure who will help the staff or who will back the staff up. But every single parent, well, we want the original staff that put blood, sweat and tears into making that centre what it was. Mm. We want them original staff back on opening day with the kids that are going in there on opening day. So it's not a case of because the centre is now going to be reopened, we're just going to shut up and walk away. It needs to be reopened to the way that it was. All the facilities, all the staff. And if the staff don't want to go back, I completely understand, but they should be given first refusal on their employment. Yeah, that that's a point. In the in the way this is happening, they're not automatically allowed to have their job back. That's that the law doesn't apply that way. There's a, the thing, a thing called transfer of undertakings won't apply here. But you, you believe they should at least be guaranteed first refusal for their jobs. That's it. Like, and I know that there is such a high demand at the moment in childcare for staff. So I do understand that, and I do I do see where you're coming from. That somebody has to run it. But it should be the staff that are familiar to it. They mm. can help this new company 
to trans like to transit into the this community. They don't know the people in this community, whereas the staff that are over there mm. every day for the last thirty years will know how to deal with the people coming in and out of their doors. Mm. It, it 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 would appear to ordinary thinking people, Donna, like yourself and myself, <laughs> that the most suitable people to run it are the people who have been running it. Exactly, and I don't mean the people that were running it, like the, the top people that I led against all I that know. damage. The workers, the, the staff. Yeah. The workers, yeah, the ones that are holding the likes of Jackson's hand when he's afraid, you know, the proper old school childcare that are, they don't need to be potty trained. That they'll they'll change them if they're if they're dirty, you know. That's the type of care that my child needs personally, and he's not the only one going in through those doors that will need that type of care. So I need to find out now. Also, is potty training going to be a requirement? Because if that is, Jackson is then ruled out again. Mm. Whereas I know if the likes of Christine and Mary Barry and all the other girls that were over there were going in, it wouldn't be an issue. I see. I see. Yeah. Tom, there's someone on the phone here. I don't know who this is, but seems to know okay. better better about the law than I do. Tommy Gould implied it couldn't be regarded as a takeover because of redundancy. If existing staff are getting redundancy, then that implies their jobs are gone. If that's the case, redundancy can't be paid if people are continuing the same job. Tommy needs to be sure you can't have nod and wink redundancy payments. Well, I don't think anyone's suggesting that, but it would be certain, it would certainly be another great morning's work if we could find out what's going to happen for, for the staff, wouldn't it, Donna? But I think you're a lot happier than the first time we talked. Oh, I tell you one thing, PJ. The first time we spoke, I was absolutely at breaking point. I was upended because it was so. It came so. It blindsided me so badly that I was kind of like, they're shoving early intervention down the likes of my throat, saying that like you need to find it, you need to get it. I fought and fought and got it. Within an hour of the preschool being closed down, that early intervention was gone, and nobody was able to tell me if I'd ever get it back, if he'd ever get it back, if we moved childcare, could I move the early intervention with him? And I can assure you, no, you can't. You can't do that. So if your child is given um, an AIMS worker, it's dedicated to that childcare. So in the likes of Jackson, where I put him to Little Hands for a few hours, the Little Hands couldn't get Jackson's AIMS. We'd have to reapply. I see. I understand. So it's, so, it's, it's all mounds of paperwork. With, yeah, on the phone call there with Cork City Childcare, they did ask me if Jackson was um, looking for Ames. And I said, look, he was awarded it. I don't know if it's going to be awarded back or what's the story. And they said, they said, look, if he was awarded it once, there should be no problem getting it again once it's reapplied to the childcare where he's at. So okay. Okay. if he gets in to before five, hopefully he gets this Ames worker and hopefully the nonverbal will stop. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> The words will come. The words will come and hopefully it'll be save the staff because we're <laughs> going to need all the backup we can get. Donna, great talking to you. We'll stay in touch with everybody here. Um, thank you very much. That's Donna Cambridge and before her, Christine Mullins, long-time staff member. So the news, in case you missed it, is that a new provider is moving in to the before five premises. That it was announced this morning and it'll take a few weeks and everything will work out. What hasn't been addressed is the future of the existing staff. And what hasn't been addressed yet, we use the word yet, what hasn't been addressed yet is whether what children were expecting, will they get that? Like, for example, Jackson, Donna's boy, she had certain things put in place for him. 
she now does not yet know whether those things will be in place for him again. That's So there's a lot to be clarified. Great news for before five, but a lot to be clarified over the hours and days ahead. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, we will be podcasting conversation with Dr. Jason van der Velde. Um, Mick says on the cocaine, the issue of cocaine, which came up in that conversation. I think if you take cocaine, you don't think anyway, says Mick. Uh, Craig, the number of drivers driving modern cars with Bluetooth capability and still holding their phone is astounding. I drive for a living and I see it every day. It needs more enforcement. They should follow the UK and have an unmarked HGV policing the roads. I've seen it. I have certainly seen it. People going around in very modern cars, far more modern than mine, going around in very modern cars with the phone clapped to the ear, and there's no need for it. None at all. Rose, morning. Good morning, PJ. That was a very stark interview. It was excellent. Wasn't it just? Yeah. Yeah. And it brought to mind, I use the N25 going east to uh, Middleton, and I use the N71 going west, and I'm a regular in Blarney Gardens, so I use the road up by Shanakeel Church, which is 60 kilometres the whole way. Mm-hmm. Now, try and do that now, particularly the weekend you'd want nerves of steel, because there's a continuous white line, and I feel in a lot of times, especially maybe if there was a learner driver or a new driver, other motors can almost force them to go faster. Because I have seen it particularly going east now on the N25. Before the tunnel, there's a 60. After the tunnel, there's a 60. It used to go to 80. Now it goes to 120. I can tell you, you would want nerves of steel now to keep to that 60. Mm. Because people beep you. They go right up to your bumper. I had a very large vehicle, you know, with the row of lights in front. Yeah. Come right up behind me, beep the horn flash all those lights and I often said how I'd love to have a sign that will come up on my back window saying I am doing the speed limit mm-hmm. because I am finding it more and more it can go no matter what speed you're doing cars will pass you out but the 60 the 60 makes people absolutely irate and and now if we listen to Jack Chambers this morning the minister that 60 will apply on a whole load of other roads very soon well, I challenge any of the, any of the listeners now someday if they're if they're in a sixty zone, even um, the link road they're going into the tunnel, they're sixty a bit back there or yeah. after it. I can tell you, you will not get a good reception, and they will fly past you, and they call that the fast lane. But the speed limit applies to both lanes. That's only overtaking. I, I was only coming into that tunnel yeah, the other day, Rose, and I observed that sign. I, I can't remember where I was going or what I was at, but I was coming into the tunnel. Yeah. Saw the sixty. I'd been doing about sixty-eight, sixty-nine coming up to it. Tap, yeah. Just yeah. tap the brake gently to ease the car down, mm. and I mm. nearly got lifted. By another oh, fellow behind you. me. Now, I must say now, on the link road or any of those roads, 60 is nearly stopping, isn't it? Like, oh, it's it is very, very slow. slow it's very, 60, yeah, it 60 is 40. 60 is 40. Yeah, yeah you, like you're crawling. And people would glare at you and everything. And I'd say, God only knows what they're saying. But like, no matter what's 80 has a similar effect. Not doesn't go down well. But like, if... 
no matter what speed you're doing, if there's 100, even 120 going west, they'll still pass you out. People will, they don't, I don't know, is that that, are they not looking? Are they not aware? I don't know. No, no. But definitely 60 and 80 brings out the worst in people. And when that big vehicle came up to my bumper with the beeping and the flashing of lights, that was scary because it was towering over me, you know? Yeah, that's terrifying. That yeah. is terrifying. That is terrifying. And he couldn't pass me out because they were all passing out on the other lane. And I, you can imagine what they were saying. No, I... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Notice if cars, they're probably going to the ferry maybe. Uh, cars with uh, foreign reg plates, they keep, in my experience, they will keep to the speed limit by and large. And I'm always hoping I'll be behind, be behind one of those yeah. and I won't be blamed for it. <laughs> I know. Rose, thank you very much for that. You're right. It's difficult to drive within the speed limit. My wife, the Queen Bee, is a very careful driver. A very careful driver. More so than me, I would have to say. Uh, and she insists on driving within the speed limit at whatever speed she's comfortable at. she tell you, particularly on an open road, if she's driving for work on a country road or an open road and she's doing the, the 80 or she's doing the 100 or whatever, that she's been surrounded by people who just want to blow her off the road. And and that is true. Rose is right. Thanks, Rose. Noel. Hello. Hi, Noel. You had a near miss, had you, lately? Uh, oh, I had a near miss there in, in this last week. Um, I was going down to see my son there uh, last week and... Uh, they put in a nose zebra crossing there as you go into the town of Innes. Yes. And they have the lights, the pole and the lights and everything. But anyway, on this occasion, and I was walking across the zebra crossing and I was nearly three quarters away, honest, 
and I happened to look to my left, and a car came driving over. Had I not looked, I'd have been bold. And I could see the girl inside the car putting her hand up, and I said, oh, yes, I, wa- I wasn't paying attention. Mm. But behind her, at the other side of the zebra crossing, was a square car with a gas and a bank gas inside it. I stopped, and I pointed to show him, did you see what happened there? He looked at me inside in the car and he just weighed me on. Yeah. No. I think their attitude when it comes to speed and careless driving, I would have expected the lights to have gone on and maybe stopped the car after he go over the zebra crossing mm. and give her a rollicky. No. Yeah, at least have a, have a word with her and say, do you, do, you, do you see what nearly happened there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. If I hadn't looked to my list. No. On another occasion... Last year, there was a young lad crossing the zebra crossing. He had a step and a half on the zebra crossing, the same one. And I could see a red car coming. And I beat the horn, the young fellow looked to his eyes, got back onto the hoopat. He'd have been bold. He'd have yeah. been bold. But yeah. with the point I'm making is the attitude of those two girls inside in the squad car left an awful lot to be desired mm-hmm. when they're vulnerable, safety, and, and, and be on the roads and all that thing. Mm. The only thing I would say about that, Noel, is they, they would have su- suggested that, well, nothing actually happened, which is a good thing, and to pursue her might be dangerous. No, because you see, the, the lights above, you see, at, above the zebra crossing the road, so there was about eight cars. I have you. You so see, they could, and they could at, the other side, at the other side of the zebra crossing, which was the zebra, which was the gather's car, now he could have just kind of put on the lights and got out and look and we nearly knocked down the pedestrian. But yes. it was for him just to wait beyond it. So I give... went across the path and, and I put on my head and I couldn't believe it. I put my hand to my head and I looked back at the car. And with the credits, there was the bank there and she gave me a stubby look inside in the car. <laughs> no. Yeah. The point I make in life is, is, is if these people are there out about driving and all that, but an awful lot of the accidents, PJ, is pure carelessness. Mm. I think you're dead right. I think you're right, Noel. Thank you for that call. Yeah, I, I only mentioned this, I think I said it before. I was on the Ring of Kerry a couple of weekends ago up there by, if you know it, you know it beautiful part of the world, gorgeous part of our country. Uh, ladies' view up there in the in the Ring of Kerry and very busy. Coaches, cyclists, cars and as I was coming down out of it at about, I suppose it would have been four o'clock in the afternoon uh, the no, the amount of just stupid driving stupid, stupid, careless driving of people and if you know it, you know it that's a narrow road, there's a white line and people coming around those bends and two wheels over the white line. Stupid, careless driving. Noel is right. 0818 uh, PJ, when, you, when you're speaking with Dr. Jason, can you please say thanks to him for me? He saved my life last year. I was in a serious RTC on the Ringeskiddy Road, still recovering, but alive, thanks to this fantastic doctor. That is from Rob. There are many stories of people who have just, they've gotten to hospital and their lives are saved by Dr. Jason van der Velde. So many people, so many people say to have him 
when you hear his voice at the side of the road, yes, you're in a lot of trouble, but you couldn't be in safer hands. 0818 96 96 96. Right, your vacation ideas are flooding in. We're with our friends at Falcher Ireland this week, looking for the best vacation ever, your ideas. And then on Friday, we'll pick two and give you a 200 euro one for all voucher each with thanks to uh, Falcher Ireland to spend on your best vacation ever. Now, we are kind of encouraging people to do it in Cork, but we're getting some ideas from Kerry and we're getting some ideas from Killarney and from Kilkenny. Now, I love Kilkenny. Okay, so here's one that comes in. Uh, go to Kilkenny, start at St. Canis's Cathedral, climb up the Round Tower, some view of the city, go to the Smithwick's Brewery, Rose House, Kettler's Inn, I know all these places, uh, Kilkenny Castle and the Design Centre. Loads to do, with plenty of places to eat and drink along the way. And they're all in a straight line, says Debbie. They are too. They are. Back in Cork, says Helen, great day out in the city recently with my sister, my niece who's 20, my daughter who's 14, Blackrock Castle Observatory for the tour, then to the Marina Market for lunch, then Nano Nagel Centre for their tour, St. Finbar's Cathedral, and then dinner at the Elm Tree. The only regret was the organ recital in the cathedral wasn't until the next day. It would have been great. A lot of people are talking about Kells Bay Gardens. I don't know where they are. I don't know anything about Kells Bay, but they seem very, very popular. Cape Clear Island and fasten it together in the one day. You can do it on a boat from Baltimore. Yes, you can, Val. A lot of people actually talking about West Cork, Baltimore, one of my favourite places. Baltimore over to Shirkin, then do the fasten it trip and then finish the day with uh, a pint at Bushes in the square watching the sunset. So relaxing, says the The sunset, I'll tell you something, if you can find me a better sunset in the whole of Ireland than there is uh, on Baltimore Harbour, uh, yeah. Glengariff's Bamboo Park. I discovered this earlier in the summer, and it's wonderful. So this is from Geraldine. The Bamboo Park in, um, in Glengariff. Then they have a cafe there, so have a bite of lunch or coffee and cake to start, then do the bamboo tour, then go down and go over to Garnish Island and see the Garnish, it's fantastic. And then come back into, oh I love Casey's for a bit of dinner and that's from Geraldine. The, 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 completely just because I know, the sausages and mash the bangers and mash at Casey's Hotel are the best bangers and mash in the south of Ireland. Um, Ross Bay, now we're going to carry Ross Bay Beach on a rainy day with the kids and then a beautiful picnic in the boot of the car. Gugon Barra is popping up. Scones and coffee in the coffee shop. Then to Glengariff, over to Garnish. Watch the seals. That's from Pauline. Ross Carberry Activity Centre. Go to Inch and Kerry for a surfing lesson, then into Dingle for the aquarium, then lunch in the Slayhead Drive. That's from Regina. Dunlock Bay and Barley Cove. Barley Cove, now there's a nice... And it's Barley, not Borley, it's Barley. Barley Cove. Crookhaven for a pint and an open sandwich maybe, overlooking the sea. That's from Mary. Loads of them, get them in. 083-396-9696. Then someone sent us in a picture... Um, Tim, is it? Yeah, Tim. Tim, isn't this just going to drive the smallies mental? And there he sends us a picture from Tesco <laughs> of chocolate Santas. And no, Tim's not happy. It's beginning to look a lot. <laughs> Tim, I saw them too. And I was only delighted. 
Delira and Exira, as Gabor used to say, to see the chocolate Santas. I nearly had to restrain myself from buying one. And after all, it is only 110 days to Christmas. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Yeah, Lorraine and Ross in the morning. I'm getting money. Oh, my God. On Cork's 96 FM. Still need plenty of stuff coming in on road safety following my very, very blunt conversation with Dr. Jason Vandeveld this morning. He didn't. He didn't spare the horses. You know, he, and, and there's a lot more he could tell us, but he doesn't. Apart from the fact he'd get upset himself talking about an awful lot of what he sees. But he didn't spare the horses. Uh, 0818969696. I'll come back to that. But the other big story this morning is the news that broke just before 10 of the securing of the future for a service at before five. A new provider is to move in. It'll take a few weeks to sort everything out. So before five will reopen. However, since that excellent news broke, we've had a few questions arising, predominantly to do with the employees or the former employees. Uh, Mick Barry, TD for the areas across this. Mick, uh, when I was talking to Tommy Gould before 10, uh, he, he just got the statement. So there, there is no guarantee that the existing employees will be rehired. Good morning. No, and, and that is not just my opinion. I have spoken to representatives of um, Cork City Childcare this okay. morning okay. and they've clarified the position for me. And uh, I am being told that there there is no guarantee uh, that the workers will be re-employed. I'm being told uh, that there will be an interview process. Uh, I'm being told uh, that people who present for an interview, uh, who have the uh, qualifications, will be considered for employment. Uh, and all the workers have the right and the entitlement uh, to reapply for jobs there. But if you're asking me, is there a guarantee that the workers will get their jobs back? Uh, the answer to that question from Cork City Childcare uh, is no. Now, there's an important point about this. Hmm. Um, these workers have provided an amazing service to the community and to children over many, many years. Christine, who was on your show, has been working there for 12 years. There are other workers who've been working there for more than 25 years. Mary is one. Mary Barry is one. has been there for a very long time. I spoke to Mary, yeah. Absolutely. And the community will be assembling at the gates of uh, Before Five on Churchfield Hill at 2.30 today. And they will be insisting uh, that each and every one of those workers uh, gets their job back in the new place. Because, here's a point, these workers have already lost out as a result of what's gone on over the last two to three weeks 
uh, they had entitlements that were built up, that were pulled from under their feet when the company went into liquidation. And all they're going to get in terms of redundancy, a bit like the Debenhams workers, PJ, mm. uh, is the statutory redundancy. I take it none of them have applied for that yet, have they, Mick? The workers themselves uh, are working with their union, uh, SIP2, in order to chart the best way forward for themselves. Mm. Will SIP2 be able to talk to the new providers on their behalf? I'm sure that SIP2 will intervene. Uh, I've no doubt that they will do that. Uh, But we saw a situation at Debenhams uh, where workers were cheated out of their entitlements and only got mm. the statutory redundancy. Yeah. And but there was no, Mick, there was, there's a difference. And I, I, the first I pointed out, the whole thing was too like debitums when it was done by text message. But there's a big difference here in that the place is reopening and the jobs will be there. So, so there isn't really a debitums p- p- parallel here in that regard. What would be good it, is it, if they had it, a it's, first, it's first refusal. It's it, it, it's different but similar. Mm. And the similarity is this. You would imagine that if, if workers are rehired and re-employed, right, that the 28-year service doesn't carry over. They'll be starting again from scratch. And therefore, their potential redundancy entitlements into the future would mm. be less. So they, they will have lost out once. They must not lose out twice. That's a valid They need to point. get their jobs back and the community will be insisting on that. That's a valid they, Because transfer of undertakings law doesn't apply here. That's important, isn't it? Or does it? Yes. You'd know better. If, if there was a transfer of undertakings agreement, the workers' entitlements would carry over. But there is not a transfer of undertakings arrangement here. So therefore, by law, the workers' entitlements do not carry over. I but see. at the very least, there, there shouldn't be... A, a double loss for the workers. The workers must get their jobs back. The community will be insisting on that. People will be saying this afternoon, people power has opened up those gates again. And many people will be welcoming that, and rightly so. But the fight is not over. As Christine Mullins and Donna Cambridge made the points very well on your show this morning, there's outstanding issues okay. here about the services that are provided when the place reopens, and crucially, do those workers get their jobs back? They must do so. All right. Mick, it's a breaking story. It's a developing story. And we're going to stay across it, as we have done from day one. That's Mick Barry, TD, for Cork North Central. So the place has been saved. There will be a service at before five. That's the only real fact that we have this morning. The other fact is that, unfortunately, there is no immediate transfer of the jobs the workers will have to reapply for the jobs and there's no guarantee of their re-employment. That is the situation as we speak. Also, with regard to Donna and her little boy Jackson, she and other parents now have to reapply to the new providers. Now, there's optimism there that they'll get what was already agreed, but it's not exactly set in stone just yet. But we do have the good news above all that Before Five has been saved. Back to the roads and the danger on the roads and uh, Dr. Jason Vandeveld's conversation with me this morning, which will be podcast uh, after the show. Terry, speed limits. Morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. There's talk in the news today of the speed limits coming down pretty much yeah. everywhere. I think that's a great idea. I'd be very happy if that happened. Uh, I live in Carrigaline on the back road to, into Carrigaline, and every day I travel to Grange, mm-hmm. um, and the back road, it, the, the speed limit is 60, 
be up as far as the cross, the Ballinway cross. Mm-hmm. And then beyond there, it goes to 80. But after the lane, up to Doug Turn right, up to Douglas, mm-hmm. the speed limit changes to 50. It does. I know the road like the back of my hand, yep. Terry, so yep. you're talking to a local, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I travel that twice a day, every day. And there is not one time I travel a journey that someone comes right up behind me. I go to 50 when it's supposed to be at 50 and someone comes right up behind me trying to push me forward or, you know, they just don't realise it. Um, a few months ago, I had a near miss because I was going back from Car- from Donnybrook to Carrigaline um, and just, there's a little a sort of a bungalow cottage on the left as you're going from Car- Donnybrook to Carrigaline. Mm-hmm. On a corner, on a bend, with a continuous white line, I was uh, a jeep overtook me because ah. I was going within the speed limit. Ah. Now I do have a dash cam, mm. um, but I, 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 I just I was so shocked I couldn't believe it. Yesterday I was even coming home yesterday from Grange to Carrigaline, and there was um, a guy in a, a, a looped-up car who nearly spun my car because he was travelling so fast down the road coming towards me from Carrigaline back into Douglas. Yeah. I would just love if the speed vans would sit there because they would make a fortune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Terry, that mm-hmm. Jack Chambers, the, the minister responsible, junior minister, which, by the way, I think is an absolute disgrace that this is a, just a junior minister when mm-hmm. we have such an emergency on our roads. Anyway, that's by the way. Like, Jack Chambers is bringing these ideas to cabinet. It, it looks as if it'll be waved through and they can put it into action in the space of, of a couple of weeks or months anyway. Mm-hmm. But the, the lunatics you're talking about, they don't care. It's enforcement, I think, is the big, huge issue. It's enforcing the law. That's mm. the law, like, the law is, is the law, but yet there's nobody enforcing it, mm. you know? Um also, if, if if I had my way, I would also put um, speed cameras or cameras on all traffic lights, pedestrian lights, all sorts of traffic lights. I, yesterday, I saw someone break a red light on the way out of my, you know, up by Dunowen in Carrigaline. Yeah, well. The red light was there. Places crowded with children going walking up to school. Um, a lady and a little boy waiting to cross. Mm. And some person was coming down from Donnybrook into into Carrigaline, went straight through the red light. No, I wasn't. I I didn't have that on the dash cam because there were two three cars behind me. I was stuck in uh, you know the traffic going up. To, uh, we were they were stopped at the red light, mm. but this person still drove through the red light. So, like you know, with recent events, um, everything like that recently, in especially in that area, you know, it's a school area. Mm. I would have no. Uh, I'm a resident there. I live there 25 years, and I I think it's. They should be slowed down, but the law has to be enforced as well. Okay. All right, Terry, thank you. Good call. 0818 96 96 96. Maeve says dropping the speed limits will make no difference. Most drivers have a sense of entitlement that they think where they're going is more important than anyone else. And they're the only people on the road. I think basic road rules and manners is gone, and that aggression is still there, says Maeve. Sean, PJ, everyone wants to lower the number of road deaths, but where will all these speed vans go? Will they be in accident black spots? Or, as we both know, will they be put where they can make the most money? Just when 80 goes down to 50, when 50 goes down to 30, they'll argue if it saves one life. It's that money was spent hiring more doctors and nurses, they could save hundreds. Put the vans where speeding happens most. That'll save the most lives. 
but we all know that will never happen, says Sean. I see where you're coming from, Sean. I do. I do. But you people ignoring the speed limits, like Terry just said, do you know? One of the most unusual places I ever saw speed cameras was in the valleys of Wales, among the most beautiful roads you will ever drive through some of the most gorgeous countryside you will ever see, the valleys of Wales. You don't need to know how I ended up driving 100 miles through the valleys of Wales one day, but I did. And I remember stopping into a little pub for a sandwich and a coffee, and I was talking to the guy at the counter, and I'd seen a load of these speed cameras. I said, you're a stranger. I said, I am. He said, be very careful of the speed cameras. I said, speed cameras out here? He said, yeah, loads of them. And he said, the speed cameras out here will catch you between the villages, on the tiny roads. They're hidden, he said, and they'll catch you. Uh, And that was the way to do it. The, in the valleys of Wales. I can't come on because my son would kill me, but I've impressed upon him all my life that the speed limit isn't a target. But when he did the test, he failed because he wasn't driving fast enough. What kind of crazy situation is that? I'll be putting in a complaint. Well, Cora, the thing is, I'll do it after news, but the thing is, driving too slow is also dangerous. That's why they'll mark against you in the test. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Just looking at uh, Carla Weather here and at the quite reliable weather app that I now have on my phone. Dark Sky got bought up by the Apple weather app, so it's now fairly fairly reliable. Looks like, fairly certain, that this weather is with us until the weekend, and we might even get the weekend out of it. Looking like maybe a shower come Sunday evening, but looks like we'll get the rest of the week anyway, and the weekend out of this lovely blast of warm weather. But you know... The worst part of it, I got eaten alive in me bed last night. Stop it. Don't be saucy. I got eaten alive in me bed because I can't close curtains or blinds in this weather. And my window's open because it's hot. The nights are hot. Um, they're tropical nights. The last couple of nights have been bordering on tropical nights. The tropical night, the definition of a tropical night is where it doesn't drop below 20 degrees. But I woke up this morning and I have been eaten alive by some little flying thing during the night. Um, so, <laughs> i got to do something tonight. I, I think I'll be putting Vicks Vapor Rub behind my ears tonight because that keeps them away. If I, when, has anyone else been eaten alive during the night um, with your windows open and the midges coming? Of course, it's autumn now and all the autumn insects and autumn midges and autumn flying, biting things are around so uh, yeah uh, stop 0818969696 we had some fun I'll come back to road safety and come back to all your comments and we have many of them 
uh, to, to hanging around and uh, some of your daycation entries for this morning, which are great. But we had great fun the last couple of days with different things at weddings. Megan, I don't have the clip to hand now, but Megan got dressed in or got wed, got wed in a black dress in a castle uh, and had the Adams family theme as her walk-in music. Then Paul yesterday, now he didn't do it, but he was thinking about it. His name is Slaughter. So, so what he wanted to do was play his son and daughter-in-law into the church to the music of Iron Maiden's Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. It never actually happened, but what a fantastic idea. And lots of people are doing things differently with mad ideas uh, and just, just a bit of fun, just something that will remain part of your day for the rest of your life. I, I told you about what we did when myself and Queen Bee got married. It was around the time of USA 94, was either about to start or had started. I can't remember of which, but I got the, I slipped the piper at uh, Jewelry's Hotel as it was then. I slipped the piper at 20. So he starts to pipe you into the traditional wedding march and halfway through, he launched into, into Ole Ole Ole. Well, I got a look that would would flatten your point, but she laughed. That was always important. So crazy ideas and funny ideas and fun things to do at weddings. Um, they've always been done, but people love to put their own mark and their own stamp on the day. Uh, we also heard about um, a Mad Hatter's tea party wedding lately. Uh, and I think that, did that happen did that happen at the Metropole? Owen Hederman, Hederman is the sales and events manager at the Metropole. That was in your place that happened, was it, Owen? Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? It was. It was actually a hen party with us. Um, and, oh, it was fantastic. They had all they had the big armchair. They had the, the traditional style teapots, the lovely crockery, Churchfield crockery as well, and the big mirrors around the room as well, which was stunning. Um, and again, something so different and so quirky that mm. you'd go for an afternoon tea um, and then put the theme of the Mad Hatter theme, uh, theme on it. So it was great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. I mean, it, it's a hundred and something year old story. Yeah, we're 126 years old. So um, since the June... Mad Hatter's tea party is a year older than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so, but I suppose it's great. It's great to have these events here um, between and weddings, I suppose. You can, with a wedding, you can do so much with it. You can mm. put a team on it. Um, we did a Harry Potter themed wedding recently with the long banqueting tables, which oh, was really? fantastic. It, they had uplighters all up the room. Everyone sat at. Um, four different kind of style tables, your Slytherin, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, um, and everyone kind of, that was their table plan. It was just so different. Brilliant. But just looked amazing. Um, the, uh, the idea just came together so well, and the couple, the couple really thought about it, and it was just for us then to make sure it was executed correctly. Right. Did you have the choosing hat? No, no, it was a table plan, but it would have been such a nice one to do as well. Fantastic idea. Now, did someone go in on horseback, Owen? 
Yeah, do you know what? Now, I've done weddings now for a couple of years across other properties and here, I've been here in the Metropole now over two years. But yeah, I've had a couple before, right up to a reception in horseback, um, off from a beach. They surely with, didn't go into the, into, into the dining room. No, 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 no. Uh, just mounted just before the front doors. Um, but it just, it just, it looked phenomenal. Um, as they came up, mm. uh, we had another. I've had another couple before come in on helicopter. Oh, excuse me. Um, again, they're just such memorable things. I think, like, a lot, like you get married once, mm. um, and what what a day to remember. Um, and I suppose there's new there's new things every year, and mm. um, that come out. Uh, I suppose your traditional prosecco walls, donut walls. At one point, you had donut cr- walls. Donut walls, yeah, they were real, they work, and um, they're still kind of a favourite um, where you'd have a wall of donuts um, a lot of the time for arrivals receptions, and which go down a treat. I'm sure, um, and quickly too. Absolutely. <laughs> um, another one then was crisp walls, so you'd hang bags of crisps um, with little pegs on a wall then for guests <laughs> to pick away, you know, again. And it's it, 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 all these ideas that like I love when a guest can can tell me and turn to me and say I have an idea and I've never heard of it before and I'm so interested to listen and and when it's executed so well it's amazing. Mm. Did someone ask you to put aftershock blue? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. I um, it was their it was a couple's drink that was their drink when they were younger that when they met that was the drink they had. So we stocked it behind the bar for them. Um, and that was the drink then that they did shots all night with that. Oh, God. Um, well, we that's one thing you couldn't have done for me because <laughs> the first time that my now missus bought me a pint, she was wearing white and she bought me a pint of Guinness and I promptly spilled it down her front. So we couldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but people do want to put their their personal stamp on things, don't they? And I think, yeah, and it's so important. I know whenever a couple comes into... Um, ourselves here in the Metropole, we would sit down with them, we'd look at the brochure together and then we'd like, have you any ideas for yourself? What are you thinking? What Go as far out as possible as you can and let's see what we can do. Um, and I think every wedding is so special. Um, and I suppose we've been doing it here um, over 126 years. Um, mm. So it's important that we continue this um, to make weddings special um, mm. and make it such an enjoy, uh, enjoyable and rememberable experience. There are, there are still pictures. It happens from time to time. There are pictures of people who had their wedding in the Metropole. They, they surface from time to time. Yeah. We they keep the receipts. Have you ever have you come across that? That is my favourite thing. I love when someone brings in something like that. It, it's just, it's such, it's, it's amazing when they bring in these old memorabilia. And I'd, I'd always be, if I'm ever doing a receipt to a couple, I'm like, keep it, keep it, because we might come back in 50 years' time and show us. <laughs> um, and as well, we have our wedding wall as well that we created um, on our 120-year anniversary. So it's all couples that got married here over the years, and they got to hang their picture here on us and then join our wedding club as well. Fabulous. Oh, and is there anything that you've been asked for that you kind of said, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? I, there would be, but at the end of the day, it, it's, right, let's do it. Um, we'll make it work. 
Um, oh, like I think. Was there anything that you'd be prepared to share that really challenged you? N- not, I suppose. Every wedding, you'd always kind of go through everything with them first. Mm. Make sure you have all um, the eyes dotted and the T's crossed. Make sure they have everything that they need. Make sure they're happy with everything. Um, and there is time to time stuff that might be difficult, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure it's executed correctly as the couple wants mm. and that they can enjoy their days Excellent. to the fullest. Did, did COVID change things? Weddings before COVID versus weddings after COVID? I mean, we know that weddings during COVID were, were, were really curtailed. Yeah, weddings during COVID were, I suppose, hard. Um, especially when the restrictions on numbers and stuff like that. And just, I know it was tough on a lot of couples as well. But since COVID, um, since we've come out of it, um, I find you still have your traditional big, large weddings, but you're getting more intimate weddings, mm. um, which are lovely. Um, I suppose here in the Metropole Hotel, we do have a lot of spaces that cater for intimate weddings from mm. our Riverview restaurant overlooking the river, uh, the River Lee to our Bowen Suite, mm. the Snow. There's only smaller rooms, yeah. Yeah, like we do have our lovely ballroom and our Douglas Vance ballroom, which are beautiful rooms as well. But we do have those intimate spaces as well that we can cater. I know some couples sometimes worry that a lot of places will only accept the big weddings, but a wedding is so important um, and every size. Um, okay. we, we are always happy to take it and like I know we did here we did um, we were had the privilege of winning um, the best intimate wedding venue for Munster at the Irish Hotel Awards last year um, which was great and it was great to receive it and I suppose we're continue, continually building on our weddings here uh, and trying to offer more for our guests I know that lastly and briefly, on I know that you have a fair coming up. A wedding, no, it's wedding fair season, so everyone's got one. Yeah. Yours is on the 17th. Yeah, on the 17th of September from 12 noon until 4, and couples get to come in. Um, we'll have canopies and Prosecco for all of them to enjoy, and they get to just see the different spaces set up. Um, I'll be here on the day um, to answer just questions. Again, we're always here to support everyone with as many questions as they have. All right, all right. Well, people can can go for that. And look, it's, it's wedding fair season over the next while. Um, and I remember doing it myself. And we'll be thir- <laughs> we'll be 30 years married next June. So I remember doing it half a lifetime ago. Oh, Ed- Edmund at uh, the Metropole. Thank you. A Harry Potter wedding. Love that idea. Love that idea. 0818 96 96 96. Although, and look, I'd be divorced before we were even up the aisle. So I would never even raise the idea. I'd love to do a Star Trek wedding. Yeah, Star Trek wedding. That would be, that would be great. 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cox 96 FM Mike says we had our wedding reception in the Metropole 28 years ago next week They made fabulous memories for everyone It was awesome, says Mike Do you still have your receipt, Mike? I love that. They tend to turn up in 
magazines like the Echo from time to time would have a, a wedding supplement or um, the, the Holly Bell. I think they often turn up in the Holly Bell. People find a receipt. I've, I've had it happen here to me. Uh, people will find the receipt from their wedding for 35 or 40 years ago or 30 years ago and they'll send it in, you know. And you look at it, God almighty, we think, we've, we think things are ex- expensive then. But they weren't really, were they? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now I had Ty Kiki on the show previously when his book went on pre sale or pre order, and we promised we'd bring him back when it comes out and lands on bookshelves. And the launch of it is this evening at the Opera House. It carries a most wonderful title: the portrait. Of a piss of the piss artist as a young man. Only you, Hickey, would get away with it. Only <laughs> you. Uh, nice <laughs> I've noticed uh, people are picking it up and buying it out of intrigue from the title, so they might hate the book, but the title is definitely uh, getting numbers. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is your story, what's yeah. and all. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it tracks um, growing up in Cork. It's a very Cork story, I suppose. I was talking to another journalist who said that uh, Cork is a, is a major character in it, which I think is true. Mm. And uh, having anxiety, I suppose, didn't I, w- I wouldn't have called it anxiety at the time. Um, I would have called it an uncomfortableness or something, or I felt like my head was going to explode. Actually, was the way I put it when I was a kid, when I was talking to my sister about it. And uh, then finding drink, I suppose, in my teenage years and it just taking all that anxiety away. And I felt like I was kind of a superhero when I had a drink. So that was all great until it stopped working. And I suppose that's what the book is about. It's about when the anesthetic stops working and then you have to come to terms with the person that started drinking in the first place and the reasons why. So um, there's lots of drink, drinking escapades along the way. It is funny. It's not all sad. Mm. I will tell people that. But uh, hopefully it's uplifting as well. There's a bit of redemption in it. Your darkest moments are are revealed here. You don't pull back on, on how bad it got. But, no. it's, but like, this is the thing. You're still making us laugh while you're, <laughs> while you're, you're at rock bottom. And, you, and we're still <laughs> laughing. Was that intentional? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was intentional, actually, because I feel like, you know, I felt like I had something to say, you know. So I was saying to you the last time that uh, Deirdre from Bonnier Books heard me doing an interview and she said, you know what, that's not really talked about a lot in Ireland, the fact that there is a kind of a mental illness aspect to alcoholism, that it's not just some selfish lad who wakes up one day and drinks a lot of cans and goes to the pub and doesn't come back to see his family because he's just selfish, that there is a mental illness. Now, this is not to to take the responsibility away from sorting out your problems, but Mm. there's a bigger picture there, like that mental illness is part of it. So she thought, and I thought that I might be able to write something on that and that it wouldn't be preachy though, that it might be funny as well, you know, that there'd be funny stories in there and... I think this alcoholic anyway has got like quite a funny head like it's sometimes it's a difficult head to have and you get up into hassle and and difficulties but there's a lot of funny stuff happens too so I think you reach people better when you're not preaching at them so the idea of writing something that was was funny but it was also revealing about the mental health aspect of alcoholism I thought well do you know what I'll take that on so it might help someone talking to people who have developed a problem with drink over the years, Tyg, what you find is a lot of them, like you, they had something going on, anxiety-wise, mental health-wise, emotional well-being-wise, 
and they began to self-medicate. And of course, when you begin to do that, the self-medication works and works until yeah. it doesn't. That's your story, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, like I think I was saying this to you before, if it didn't work and if it wasn't great, you wouldn't be doing it in the first place. You know what I mean? So that's something that I tried to capture in the book, that it's not... Uh, I think you you wouldn't be helping people if you said, oh, drink is all bad and it's all evil. Sure, like, obviously, it was great while it worked. You know what I mean? Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it for 10, 20, and some people 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. The problem is when it doesn't work anymore, you're then left with the reasons why you drank in the first place. You know what I mean? So, um, and this would be a hobby horse of mine, I suppose, that I think we talked about this before as well, that, you know, in Ireland, I think anyway, the people don't really kind of get that part of it. So they, they tend to treat addicts, be they alcoholics or drug addicts, as if they're just wrong like, you know, that they've mm. done something wrong. So we put more guards on the street or we try to, to lock them away. And, it, and, I, and I'm going to stress, like, I'm not saying we absolve them of things that you do wrong. That's otherwise you wouldn't get recovery unless you were acknowledging what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. But these people, as you say, like, are in, they're hurting, like, you know, they have trauma and they're carrying stuff. And um, that needs to be part of the, the thing if we're to try and understand them, I think. Mm. Part of recovery is, of course, going around and acknowledging what you did wrong and acknowledging the wrong you did to people. Is that one of the hardest parts, Twig? I, I actually found that, um, I found that an easier part, to be honest. Now, okay, so there's some, um, there's some amends, right, we call them. So there might be an amends now where, you know, you've had a difficult situation with somebody and you think you're right and you think that they should be apologizing to you, that can be hard. <laughs> you know, because then you'd have somebody else in recovery circles would say, for the sake of your recovery, you should talk to this person. But in the back of your mind, you might be thinking like, I hate this guy. That can be tough. <laughs> yeah. But some of the ones with family are the opposite of tough because the healing is is unbelievable. Like there's, there's one I detail in the book where uh, I actually have an opportunity to go and talk to my daughter, um, which is probably a, a lot to to leave on her shoulders at that age. So I was very careful about how I put it, but I just put it generally, you know, that, you know, maybe I wasn't the best dad I could have been when I was drinking. I'm sorry about that. And if there's anything I can do, I'd like to to help make it up to you. And uh, the reaction from her, and it's I suppose it's in the book if people want to read it, um, made it, it almost made all the pain kind of worthwhile or whatever, you know what I mean? It was a completely healing experience. We we kind of understood each other. And that has been my experience a lot with family and close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I find that, I actually found that one of the best, one of the best parts of recovery, to be honest, just, just actually kind of facing people. It is tough, but facing people eye to eye and kind of saying, do you know what? That shouldn't have happened. Yeah. One of the lads in you too, I can't remember which now, did an interview recently about his own battles with addiction. Oh yeah, Adam Clayton. Adam is right. And he was asked, yeah. when did you last when did you last feel like turning to something? And oh, said, yeah. And he said, yesterday. Tyg, may I ask you <laughs> honestly, when was the last time you felt like a drink, Phil? I I don't agree with that. And I say I don't agree, as okay. in that's not my experience. But um, but I know what he's talking about. The last day that I had to deal with alcoholism was was today, like, or yesterday, yeah. you know. So there, there's parts of it, like, as I'm saying, the, the anxiety and the self-doubt and the kind of you know, the the old ideas of acting out and blaming other people, you know, you have to deal with that on a daily basis. But for me, I I found a higher power, you know, and it's not a religious thing. Like it's a, it's just a, a power greater than myself really was a big part of it for me. And I feel like my desire to, uh, to drink or the temptation or the compulsion uh, has just been taken away from me. 
Um, I, I genuinely haven't had... No, the first year was torture. The first year I actually kind of spent in my bedroom in my mother's house, really, because I was too scared to, to go out. I just didn't trust myself. But I'm eight years, over eight years around now, and it's been a long time since I felt genuinely tempted to drink, I suppose. And I think the reason for that is higher power, certainly. But also, I've done the work on myself now that I, you know, and up to today, like it's a, it's a, that's a process. Yeah. But I've done the work that I don't feel the anxiety anymore. I don't think as much. So the social anxiety was a big reason of why I'd be like, oh, I just need to get drunk here because I can't handle. Mm. being around people mm. so yeah so maybe yeah maybe i'm just i am fortunate i am blessed i just don't feel that temptation anymore thank god that's fantastic good luck with the book uh, for what i've read already thank you so it's, much it's, 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 it's a cracker someone people are saying here it's the best name for a book they've heard in a very long time oh <laughs> uh, uh, nice one uh, come here are you free tonight if you're free tonight you're you're you know obviously you're you're cordially invited and i'll see you at the gig as well in the 28 hopefully i'm in the opera house in the 28 if people want to come I to see me for a stand-up show about that gig that's that's going well uh, yes that's going well. That, that's a new show, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a stand-up show and it's a, a stand-up comedy, but there's partly music as well. There's like, there's four original songs. It's all kind of political satire and uh, people will know my, my stuff from Twitter. It'll be all that kind of stuff. And we're doing, a, yeah, we're doing Cork on the 28th. But if people want to see me in Cardiff, London, Glasgow or mm. Belfast or Dublin as well. Uh, yeah, it's a little UK and Ireland tour. Yeah, God, God help us. Yeah, and getting out, getting around. <laughs> getting so look, I'll, I mean, see you at, I'll see you at the opera. Hold on now. Even the great Russell Carroll <laughs> Kelly... Paul Howard from Russell Carroll oh, yeah. Kelly has tweeted he wished he'd come up with a name like that <laughs> for his books. <laughs> I tell you one thing, I'm going to be in the running for best title anyway, even if, uh, even if the book is going to Yeah, listen, good luck, good luck with the title. I'll see you over the next while. I won't unfortunately be around this evening, but I will see you at the end of September at the show. Ty Hickey, author, comedian, actor, author, and as he says himself, alcoholic, and uh, the new book is on your shelves now, and what I've read is brilliant. It's called Portrait of the Piss Artist as a Young Man. I love that title. I love that. Some of your ideas still coming in for Daycations, the best daycation ever, teamed up this week with Fulcher Ireland. And for you to tell us about the best daycation ever, I've actually been out and about exploring some of the many things you can see and do right here on our doorstep, like Ocean Escapes. They're down there in the harbour and they run throughout May to September, so they'll be coming to the end of their season soon, but try and catch them. You can The best way to see our wonderful harbour and the things in it is from the water, and it's a whole different way of looking at it. Stunning, actually. Blackrock Castle, Spike Island, Cove, plenty more. Ocean Escapes, and you'll see, you can find out book and stuff through their, their website. It's a fantastic uh, daycation. I have done, uh, I have done um, videos on it, uh, which you'll see on our socials uh, over the course of the next couple of days. And get, our, get your details into us at 083 396 96 96 of your best daycation ever. All right? With Fulcher Ireland. 0818969696. Here's one simple idea that came in today. I love this. Daycation somewhere local for people on a low budget. Ballancolic Regional Park. A beautiful nature walk for the whole family. And then you can have a paddle or even a swim. A lovely playground for the kids. And round off the day with a bag of chips and dinos. A lovely, cheap and cheerful day for any family. What a great idea. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 90.
It's got to be one of the most hard-hitting interviews we've had on the show in a long time. I speak of the interview with Dr. Jason Vandeveld from earlier on this morning about his experience in dealing with road accidents and his thoughts on road safety. Some very powerful, stark comments uh, on the things he comes across. And in particular, his his comments on mobile phones and how dangerous mobile phones are. Listening to Dr. Van de Velde really hit home the image in my head of the young person holding their phone still on a video call. That's heartbreaking. I'm guilty of distractions while I'm driving too and I've had near misses. I pledge now that my phone will stay in its holder and only be used for sat-nav from now on. Also very interesting comments on speed. It's vital that people slow down around vulnerable road users but I do agree also that frustration can kill let's make sure speed limits are all reviewed, some lowered some raised and driving way below the limit is also an offence for some reason it is, I meant to explain this because there's a certain level below the speed limit like if you're in an 80 zone for argument's sake and you're pootling along at 25 uh, and everyone around you is trying to get around you, then you're causing an obstruction. That's that's a problem. It's nice and safe for you to, to put put along at 25, but you are causing an obstruction, and that also is something you're not allowed to do. 0818969696. Now, Richard Rice is chair of the Castle Close Residents Association. Remind me again, Richard, where this is. This is near, I think. Is it Skullverde gone small in Blarney? Morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. Yes, it is quite correct. It's um, right, in fact, the, the, school, the school is actually at the north side of the estate. Mm, okay. Our, okay. Our, our estate is you, facing the GA pitch, in you, fact. You can't miss the school, but I wasn't too sure where the park was. So you're, the, the, it's almost at the edge of the park. Yes, indeed. Indeed, yes. What's your concern? Our concern is that um, since the school has been... Um, demolished, or sorry, should I say, the school construction went on for the last couple of years, we've had an influx of end plate drivers coming into our estate and parking all day. And we found that generally every term, the number of plates was getting more and more number. This has been exasperated as well by other things. And um, we also have another school at the other end of the estate, which is a primary school, and people drive through from the, what we call the hedge road, which is the link road between the two roads in Blarney, okay. and they, they drive into the primary school at quite a speed as well. Mm-hmm. We also have um, people coming in to the estate, the dropping children off mm-hmm. and collecting them as well, and this causes a lot of confusion. Mm. However, uh, since the new school has been demolished um, and the new school was built, now the after demolishing the original school and the car park, nice. and we were concerned that the teachers would have no place to park, and that we would felt they were going to come into our estate and start parking on top of the students. So we we set up a committee and we had a what we call a visual presence where we put out some uh, traffic cones yeah. around the estate in, in, in various points. And we had a little visual presence in the morning time there for about 10 days where we had a sign saying, residence parking only, please. Yeah. And to try and divert people away from the 
or or, or a state. Mm-hmm. But on on top of that, also in the planning permission, which was issued back in October sixteen. Proposal number 24 was the school shall fully implement the proposed school travel plan. Yeah. This shall be extend, extended to include the monitoring, implementation, and enforcement of measures to prevent school traffic parking in the residential sections of Castle Close Housing oh, Estate. So it's in the, it's in the agreement. And that, yeah. Yes, yeah. and it's in the interest of road safety. Yeah, okay. As you and were just am, talking am about right thinking, Yeah, am I right in thinking that, am I picking up correctly from what you're saying, that the new... The new Skullvirag on small for want of a better expression doesn't have car doesn't have parking. At the moment, because they demolished the old school and the car park that was in front of it. I and see. they're at the moment carrying out a lot of uh, extensive underground drains and so right. on and so on. One one would hope that down the road or down the line there will be a car park to take the pressure off your estate. The original um, plan was for hundred and ten car parking spaces for teachers only. Mm. When we had a discussion about the school back in 2016, when we were first notified of it, at a residence meeting with the school and the engineers and architects, this was stipulated that be 110 for students only, and at the time, it was stated that students do not have cars. Yeah, so it's something that we'll watch. Um, it's certainly people are concerned um, about it, Richard, um, where is the situation going to go now? Your local reps are across it, I think, to to see that there isn't, isn't that people are kept safe. Yes, yes. But the whole thing is that we want our estate to be safe for children. It was predominantly for many years a pretty elderly population, but now in the last few years we have quite a number of young families coming in, mm-hmm. and we have small children playing there as well. Right. And we're trying to cut down the amount of speed going through the area. Yeah, and the amount of, and the amount of traffic that isn't isn't residence traffic. Thanks, Richard. I'll leave it there. That's Richard Rice, who's chair of the residence association at Castle Close in Blarney. That's a concern we'll watch. Teachers and it's it, look, it's very common. It happens an awful lot. Well, it used to when my lads were going to school. It used to happen a lot around St. Columbus and Douglas that parents, um, I don't know about teachers, but certainly parents used to go up and park up in Shamrock Lawn and places like that and like, fine, we all know you don't have an automatic entitlement to the pavement space outside your front door. Most people don't realise that. If you live in a housing estate, there's a space that is directly outside your house. You don't have an entitlement to that. You think you might, but you don't. But what was happening up in Shamrock Lawn was they were parking across the driveway. Now, anyone parking across a driveway is just... I, I would i would actually put penalty points on someone parking across a driveway. But that's just me. 0818 96 96 96. We have some more stuff on road safety. An 80 speed limit for the first two years of new driving, says Trish. If you get caught speeding or get points... It'd be extended then for a further 12 months. If you're a habitual offender, you lose your licence and go back to lessons and start again. New drivers, especially boys, think they know it all. They think it won't happen to them. I remember when Gay Byrne was uh, the face of the National Road Safety Authority. He used to say, young boys, he said, think that they're indestructible. And that only stops when they realise that they're not. Which I thought were very wise words.
My son would kill me. I've impressed upon him all his life. The speed limit isn't a target. I read that one. Um, lots of people talking about the number of cars with people using their mobile phones inside in them. Then this call came in. I'll, I'll go to Jolene in just a second. I need to read this one. My son was being collected by a friend, but he ended up being in a car he shouldn't have been in that we didn't know about. The guy who was driving was boasting that he could drive like a rally driver. It came into a bad bend. He didn't steer out of it. The car crashed. Thankfully, they all got away with minor injuries. The guards didn't breathalyze or drug test the driver. The driver then rang a friend and asked about car insurance at the scene. He was more worried about that than the condition of his passengers. Since then, he's written off several cars. And I have to say, the guards haven't done anything about it. The lad is still taking passengers and still driving in a way you'd definitely class as high risk. I worry that he'll kill someone. My son isn't allowed to go into cars for lifts anymore. It's the only way I can deal with this. Thank you. 0818969696. Now this Jolene Cronin sounds like meat and eat, speed dating with food. Morning. How are you? How's it going? Great all together. This actually sounds like a fun idea. Meat ah. and eat and stuff. So go on, meat. it's called Blind Taste. Tell Blind Taste. This is an event that's happening tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. It's um, part of the Feast, which is the East Cork Food Festival. And it is like literally feasting on love, indulging at love at first bite and all things crazy to do with Speed dating, but mm. with a twist. There's blindfolds, blindfolds involved. That was the bit. That was the bit that drew my attention. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad it did. So, what's going to happen here is one of the people is going to be blindfolded, and the other person is going to feed them a food that represents their personality. So, it's uh, certainly going to be speed dating with a twist, and everybody is going to get to meet everybody else. So, you pick a food that matches your vibe, and you feed it to your date, and boom, you're off. Yeah, I'm boom. <laughs> Am I selling that? Uh, well, yeah, but well, here's the thing, right? I mean, like, thankfully, I'm out of the out of the dating game a long time now. But that would mean that would mean me giving a poor blindfolded person a big spoonful of Indian curry loaded with chilies. Yeah, that'd be pretty spicy, like, wouldn't it? Can you imagine that? You're blindfolded. You take this into, him, and your nose is running, and your eyes are streaming. <laughs> Well, Would you there, even want to talk go. to me, let alone date me? <laughs> but you see, this is the thing. This is the mystery of dating. Like, I mean, it's all a bit spicy and hot and who knows what's going to happen. you got to embrace that, PJ. That's the crack. And will the food be there provided? Will people even choose that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to uh, go shopping now tomorrow and I'm going to find lots of different things. So I'm thinking like, definitely I need to get something kind of hot and chilly and spicy. You're, you're, you're on to something. So I'm thinking maybe something like, Maybe some chili chocolate or wasabi peas. Do you know they're kind of nice and intense, like. And maybe I might get something maybe a little bit cooler, like some ice cream or cucumber pickle. That could be a good one as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to. But I don't want to get too much of This could get know. very mischievous. Well, that's the whole point. This is pure crack. This is like this is definitely 
to be taken with a pinch of salt, uh, or literally, pepper, <laughs> or pepper. Like it's um, it's going to be a speed dating night that like nobody has ever seen before. Mm. Uh, literally, boom. <laughs> like one one of the things I love, and it's it's a thing that at Christmas time my family look at me going, "How is he doing that?" I love a piece of cheddar cheese. With, oh, a, with, yeah. with, with no no with a slice a thick slice of jalapeno on top of oh, it oh yeah and wash Jeez, it down with like... a mouthful of strong red wine now that <sighs> delish yeah delish okay the jalapeno so that's pepper what, people so go that's how what can you, you feed yeah. if you were on the on the picking from your table is it so a nice big square of cheddar cheese preferably red red cheddar okay. red red mature cheddar and a big thick slice of a jalapeno pepper on top of it and mm. pop it straight into the gob and bite down. <laughs> Sounds good. I was thinking about like what I would probably pick myself mm. um, and I was thinking I would probably pick something like black pudding because mm. I think that it's pretty mysterious like the hidden ingredients um, you know you kind of don't know what's there and it's I like that kind of shrouded in secrecy kind of thing. Mm. I'd be a like, white pudding kind of, you know, myself, finding the perfect I see where you're coming like, from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see where you're coming yeah. from. Now you have them. Uh, you've got lots of other things there. It's, it's Pete Vintage coming along. Yeah. So once a month down in so this is all happening in Pucker Bula, which is in Ballin Rustic, okay. and Peach Vintage Clothing they do this amazing, fabulous clothes exchange once a month. So that's mm. happening on the same night. Great. And the Spice Genie, he's going to be there with his amazing curries and food. So, like, the whole atmosphere is going to be great. But, like, this is just one of many, many events that are happening for the feast, which I mentioned earlier. So mm. that's, like, taking place from Thursday all the way through to Sunday. And there's loads of stuff going on, um, like, all around Middleton and the area. So do you want to hear about some of the things that are happening? Fire away, Flora. All yours. right, like, let's go. <laughs> um, well, I'm kind of half a mermaid, um, so I'm really interested into kind of seaside things. And there's this really cool... Um, event happening on Sunday, which is when you go on a seaweed foraging tour with um, seaweed expert Francis Gallagher, and then you're going to infuse the taste of the seaweed and pair them together with food and do a cocktail masterclass. That sounds pretty kind of awesome. Um, On Sunday, there's going to be like a whole day in Middleton Town with lots of food. Um, Joe McNamee is going to be hosting the Grub Circus, so there'll be like food demos and talks. And there's, oh, let me see. It's not just the Middleton town, as I said, there's also some other things happening. It's all over. It's all over. You were were saying that um, places at at Blind Tastes are in short supply. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we are trying to find a couple of more divilment makers. So I will definitely let in a few more. Mm. And that's the whole reason why I'm here now, PJ, because there's, there's some people out there who need to swipe right with food and join us. So we will take them. Deadly. <laughs> Deadly. And if, if people do want to sign up, um, pop onto the Feast Cork website. There's an Eventbrite link there. Mm. Um, the tickets are only 10 euros, and I reckon that's kind of pretty cheap, like, considering yeah, you yeah, might actually find it, the love it, of your it, life it, here, you know? It could be great fun. Now, try that, try that yourself, though. The good, the nice mature slice of red cheddar cheese and a jalapeno, a slice of jalapeno oh, on top of it. Yeah, and just to yeah. bite down the two together, it is, uh, it's life-changing. Jolene, great talking to you. Have have fun with that. Feastcork.com is the website to find out more. That's uh, Jolene Cronin. Just before we, and you might consider that to be a daycation. You might consider it to be the best daycation ever to head out to Feast Cork.
Com. Jan says a great vacation for me was a trip to Cork Harbour Cruises in Cove. Super information, great history of the harbour with the best staff. Elizabeth Fort with super views over the city. And Nano Nagel Place, stunning gardens, great food and all day deli in there. We have a great city. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Do keep it local. Donnerail Park, says Lisa. Stunning down there with the river. The walk by the woods, Donnerail House and the park for the smallies. Oh, and the reindeer are also, are always happy. Uh, and children very tired coming home. Uh, Yall is my favourite. The Corcation, walk up the boardwalk to Red Barn, back down to Clay Castle, into the town. Uh, a bit of grub in Doyle's chipper, back to Clay Castle, drive home, go to bed and sleep like a log after the sea air and all the walking. And that's from my Keep Them Coming at 083 396 96 96. Some of them are brilliant. And on Friday, thanks to our friends at Falter Ireland who want to know about the best vacation ever, I'll have two 200 euro one for all vouchers. Who knows what that'll pay for as we seek our best vacation ever. It has been a busy one. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll put all your podcasts up ASAP. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at corksimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.